Open up your Bibles, if you would, to Psalms 19. If you're still learning your way around the Bible, there's an Old Testament and a New Testament. Psalms is in the Old Testament. And if you're not using something digital, if you're using the, the book, it's typically like right in the middle. Now, Psalms is an interesting book because it has multiple writers. It's all God's word. It's all inspired by him. But like King David wrote some of the Psalms. Moses wrote some of them. There was a worship leader for Israel that wrote some of them. Just, just different people. And really, it's, it's kind of like spiritual journaling. Like if you, when you read some of the Psalms, if you know what was going on in the writer's life at that time, it really gives it context. You're like, man, you can read something and go, that's exactly what I'm going through right now. Well, the reason why it's probably written, because that was the same thing the writer was going through at the time. And he was inspired by the Holy Spirit or she was inspired by the Holy Spirit to put those things down and to share. So we're going to talk about today about one of the ways that God speaks to us is through his creation. Now, uh, even though you're in Psalm 19, uh, you don't have to turn here, but Romans 125 says this. They, tra they traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things that God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. So Paul was writing inspired by the Holy Spirit. And he said there were some people that when they would see creation, that instead of, instead of worshiping the creator, they would worship creation. You know, today, there's kind of two different extremes when we begin to talk about creation. There is one side that worships creation itself. Matter of fact, I hear a lot of people talk about, well, you know, just the universe has been really good to me today. Well, we'll talk about that. And so, you know, and I mean, it's just, and, and that type. Now, the other, the other hand, there's another side that's kind of indifferent to creation and, you know, just um, abuses it, just doesn't care how, you know, I mean, they're just, just, you know, just, just don't care for it and, uh, and think that that's okay too. But the truth of the matter is we're called to be stewards of it. It's one of the things that God gave us to speak to us, but also we're called to steward it, to enjoy it. Yes, to use it, but to make sure that it's cared for properly. I mean, there's this responsibility that we have. And so uh, it's, but God put it here for several reasons. We're going to look at one of them and that is, uh, how he speaks to us. So Psalm 19, verse 1, says this. says, the heavens proclaim. Everybody say proclaim. proclaim. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. So the heavens proclaim his glory. And the skies display his craftsmanship. They proclaim his glory. In other words, they talk about how great he is. Creation reveals how great God is. It also displays his craftsmanship. In other words, there's so much variety just that, we, just that we see in our world. God's a craftsman. He's great. And creation reveals that. It, it goes on to say, day after day, they, talking about the heavens, day after day, they continue to speak. Day after day. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. Their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. So we see all of this, how when we look at creation that that God, it reveals his glory. It speaks to us about how incredible he is. 
And it also reveals his craftsmanship, that he's a craftsman, an artist in what he does. Uh, you know, um, I know some of you, like me, there have been times probably, you know, you've been out on the lake or you know, maybe at night and just there's not been a lot of, you know, just um, city lighting or anything like that to get in the way. And it's just kind of just the night sky. And it's just incredible. I mean, there are places in New Mexico that I've been before and there's just not a lot of, uh, you know, generated lighting. It's just what's in the sky and, and it just becomes evident and visible. So you, so you probably looked at that. I want to show you a picture right here. Um, you know, just kind of a picture of just kind of the night sky. And we went out before and just kind of observed it. And it's, I'm sure you're like me. Sometimes you just kind of find yourself just kind of glancing at it, just looking at it. And, just, and, and when you look at it, we, we have an idea just with our own eyes how vast it is. But, but we're even so limited in that, you know, as, as, we're, as we're pushing further, you know, into space, uh, into, you know, the rest of the universe. And we're seeing pictures and things like that, that it reveals you know, just more to that. Let me show you this other picture right here. This, this right here is call, called the Cartwheel Galaxy. So it's, you know, it's not even part of our solar system. And it just, you know, when you look at the night sky and all you see are those different stars, it, it'd be really easy to think that they all look the same. But, but here's just part of God's craftsmanship. Him showing, you know, that just what, a, what an artist he is, what a craftsman he is. And what he makes. Let me show you this other picture. This, this picture right here is taken, it's part of the Whirlpool Galaxy. It's, some people call it the cross picture. And while that in creation that God is constantly telling us who he is, revealing us who he is and, and what he's about, and, and that even in, our, even in creation, just beyond us, that you have things like this, that, that God's constantly revealing his greatness. Years ago, centuries ago, there was a philosopher named William Paley, and, uh, and he was, he was a, a believer. And so he, he uh, and I'm, I'm going to paraphrase this, but he came up with something called Paley's Watch. And in his, what he wanted to say in order to prove that God exists was that he used this as an example. He said, if you live on a desert island and you discovered a watch and you may not know what its purpose is, you may not know why it's there, but just by looking at it, you could tell that it had a creator. You may not understand anything else, but you know it didn't just happen. And he said that was his justification when he looked at creation. He said there's so much order to things. There are things that are just taking place. There's just so, so many things that if it was just a little bit this way or a little bit that way, there's no way it could exist. And so there's just design that's put into it. And he said just like that, we would know that about a watch, that even if we didn't know its purpose, we would understand it was made by somebody. Well, creation declares that too, that it didn't just happen, that the design that is there, the order that's there, the way that it speaks to us, that it, it just declares that it has a creator. It reveals God's glory, how great he is. I was, as I was doing some study and some research on this and just hearing information about the vastness of the universe and how many light years it would take to travel from one place to another. You say, what's a light year? It, it's how long it would take light, how far light could travel in one year. Light goes at 186,000 miles per second. And so going at that speed, this is how far it would travel. In my mind, I would think of it going that fast, that would just in a few days that you would exceed all of the universe. No, man, it's, it's you know, hundreds of years that it takes 
for light to travel across the universe. It's just incredible. You know, there's a huge discussion in our culture right now. Does life exist on other planets and that type of thing? And, and I know some people on either side of that get, pre get pretty tweaked up. And I, I hate to say this, I, I, I don't care. But um, and so if there is, great. You know, if there's not, I'm okay with that too. But some people, the reason for justifying the thought that there would be, as they say, that it just, that the universe is so vast and so broad that it would be a misuse of, misuse of space to just have one planet that's, uh, you know, that, that is inhabited by people or by any creation. But the truth of the matter is, is that, that, okay, maybe, but also there's this other thought, and that is that God, because he's so great, that the universe would, it would have to be huge, right? I mean, if it's going to declare his greatness, it couldn't be this small thing that's easily understood. It would be, have to be this thing that we would have to continue to look at and to study over a period of time. And so here we know, number one is this, if you're taking notes, is that one of the things that God, the, the creation speaks to us, is that God speaks to us about his greatness in this. When you go outside and you just look at it, he's revealing he's great. He's great. There's none like him. And it helps me sometimes because sometimes I feel overwhelmed by my life. The things I'm dealing with, they feel bigger than me. And I, I can just feel so small compared to some of the challenges I have. And then when I think about this great God that's made all of this, and yet even in his greatness, he's part of my world and part of my life, then it helps me to, it helps me to have confidence and hope in what I'm facing. Someone is this that God speaks to us about his greatness. Let's look at number two, if you would go with me to Genesis 9. Genesis is the very first book. In the Bible, Genesis 9. And in Genesis, around Genesis 6 is where God begins to speak to Noah and begins to reveal to him what's getting ready to happen that because of humanity's sin, it's brought judgment upon the earth. And there's really a lot of things, so many things taking place in this moment. And so um, God begins to speak to him about building an ark and that he's going to send animals to Noah. There'll be animals that he, he sends to Noah. And so it takes decades for Noah to finish this, you know, and for this to take place. And so, um, so the, eventually he gets the ark finished, the animals are sent, they get on the boat, and for 40 days and 40 nights it rains without, without ceasing and, um, and just uh, destroys everything. And so the rain, is, it's, it's created so much flood water that even after it quits raining, it's, it's a long time before they can get off the boat. Well, God speaks to them about this, and so in Genesis 9 verse 9, he said, this is God talking, he said, I hereby confirm my covenant with you and your descendants and with all the animals that were on the boat with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, every living creature on earth. Yes, I'm confirming my covenant with you. Never again will floodwaters kill all living creatures. Never again will a flood destroy the earth. Then God said, I'm giving you a sign of my covenant with you and with all living creatures for all generations to come. So he said, it wasn't just with humanity that he was given the sign. He said, it was to all of creation that God was making this promise. And not just for that generation then, but for the generations to come. He, he intended when he put it in the sky for it to still declare, you know, his purpose and, and what it's there for. And so he goes on to say, I place my rainbow in the clouds. It is the sign of my covenant with you and with all the earth. When I send clouds over the earth, the rainbow will appear in the clouds, and I will remember my covenant with you and with all living creatures. 
Never again will the floodwaters destroy all life. When I see the rainbow in the clouds, I will remember the eternal covenant between God and every living creature on earth. Then God said to Noah, yes, this rainbow is the sign of the covenant I'm confirming with all the creatures on earth. So most of you are familiar about the historical account of what took place with Noah. But at the end, after it was all over, God said, look, I'm going to give you a sign in creation that's going to remind you that this will never happen on earth again. And, and so the sign was the rainbow. If you guys don't mind, put that picture up there. You know, there's still something about this when I see this that I'm fascinated with it, aren't you? And we see that in the sky. It's just, there have been times I've pulled my car over. I've just seen it at the right setting in the right place and taken a picture of it. It's just, it kind of draws me in. And it's just this incredible thing that happens. It just reveals something to me. And so, and so one of the things about it is, is that God has placed this in creation. He's placed it in creation to remind us that never again will the earth experience that thing taking place. You guys don't mind leaving that up there for just a minute. That thing taking place, that, that never again would the earth experience judgment through flood where the whole earth would be judged. He's like, I want to remind you that, about my promise. So, you know, we're just kind of drawn to it because of just how, how it looks, how beautiful it is, how incredible it is. But for even me as a believer, I'm reminded about the way that God speaks to us, about the way that he deals with us and what it is that he does in our life and in our world. That he, he just does that for us. And so... He uses nature, he, re, he uses creation to remind us of his promises. He uses this to remind us that never again will that happen. And so we looked at it, and of course we're drawn to it. It's God speaking to us through that. You know, there's another time in creation that he was speaking to a guy named Abram, and he was telling him when he was 75 years old and his wife was 65, he said, look, man, you guys are going to have a kid. And he said, you're going to be the father of many nations. And so... At first, I'm sure Abram was excited. His wife, Sarah, was excited. But time went on. Months went on. All sorts of things went on. And, you know, you could just never, uh, you know, and, and you probably have had that happen as well, wherever God's dealt with you about something. He wanted to do something in your world and in your life. And when it first happens, you get so excited. But then, man, time goes on. And it's like, you know, is it ever going to happen? You know, when you first hear it, there's like this day is there and you're like, you're excited about what he wants to do. And then this week is there and you're excited and still nothing happens. And this month is there. And then this year is there. And, and all of these things happen. And, and as time goes on, eventually you're like, maybe it's never going to happen. Well, Abram was having that moment. He was having that time and God spoke to him and he gave him this verse in Genesis 15. It says, then the Lord took Abram outside. Everybody say outside. And said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. So I could almost imagine that Abram's like in a tent and God's speaking to him. I don't, I don't know what that looked like, you know, whether it was just this audible voice or, or what it was. But in the middle of that conversation, he could have just described it to him. But he took him outside and he told him to look up. You guys mind to show that next picture. It's when we saw him, to look up. And so he was, he was giving him a reminder he said, this creation, it's an object lesson to you that I keep my promises. I can imagine because it was 75 when God spoke to him, when God spoke to Abram. And it was, he was 100 when God finally, um, I mean, when, he finally, when Abraham finally had the baby. So I would imagine there were nights that he was discouraged, disappointed, wondering, is it ever going to happen? And he, he'd be reminded of that moment where he had to go outside and look. And he looked up into the sky and once again, he was reminded of what God had promised him. You know, one of the things that amazed me when I was preparing for this message is how many times over and over again, 
God used creation to share truths. Jesus and his teaching would do that. And we'll look at one of those in just a minute. But just one thing after another, he constantly used creation just to show his greatness, how huge he is. He used creation to reveal to us that he keeps his promises and, and the things that he can do. So if you're taking notes, number two is this, is that God reminds us of his promises. You know, that it's a constant reminder of who he is and that he's faithful. You know, man, sometimes it's, it's just easy to think that, you know, does God, does he know me and can I trust him? And yet we see in all of these things, in all of this creation, we're reminded that he tells the truth, that, that he speaks to us, and that we can trust him. He uses it to remind us of his promises. Let's look at number three, and we'll close with this. Go with me, if you would, to Matthew 6. Matthew's the very first book in the New Testament. Matthew 6, verse 24. And Jesus is talking here it's, uh, the, from the Sermon on the Mount. He said in Matthew 6, verse 24, says, he said, no one can serve two masters. In other words, he's saying, look, man, your, our hearts were not created to be divided. That, you know, and so, and he said, uh, you'll hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. Then he said this, you can't serve God and be enslaved to money. So, you know, because money plays such a significant part of our world, Jesus was telling them, he said, Look, you, you can't serve this and that, you know, that, that it, it takes on a real value. And, and, you know, sometimes people say, well, money shouldn't matter. And I always want to say, well, you know, whose are we talking about? Because if it's yours, it probably begins to matter. But the truth of the matter is, is that people can get to a place where it becomes all they think about. And it becomes the thing that they will sacrifice anything for. And he's like, money was never intended to be a god for us or an idol. Uh, you know, people, some people have said, you know, money's the root of all evil. And that's actually not what the scripture says. It's the love of money that is. It's kind of like a sound system. It just reveals what's in us. You know, a sound system never says anything bad on its own. It's just, if I say something bad, it amplifies what's bad. And that's the way finances can be. But the truth of the matter is that sometimes that's what people live for. They live to make the next dollar, to make the next thing. And Jesus said, it can't become your master because you'll be devoted to it instead of God. You'll, you'll choose it every time instead of God. And for some people, it's not money. It could be something else. And so he goes on to explain then how God cares for us. He said, that's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? So he said, look, don't, you can't let money become your master. Don't worry about these things. Then he does something I think is so interesting. He said this, look at the birds. Put that picture up there if you guys don't mind. So he gives us as an example of an illustration of his care for you. Sometimes it's real easy to think that God doesn't notice me. He doesn't see me. That I see this going on in this other person's life, and he's obviously interested in them, but when I pray, does he even hear what I have to say? Well, Jesus is talking about you know, that our lives can feel so divided and we can feel like that what we really need is found over here in this thing or that thing. But he said, that's not what we were designed for, that we're designed, you know, to serve God. And so he said, look at the birds. He said, um, they don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. Now listen to what he says. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? I think it's interesting that God's not indifferent. He's not indifferent to the birds. As a matter of fact, he cares for them. 
He demonstrates his goodness and how he cares for something to, to many of us is so insignificant. I know for some people it's not the case, but for so many people it is. That it's not insignificant to him. He cares for them. But even in his great goodness as he cares for them, Jesus said, Jesus said that you matter more to him than they matter to him. And he said, look at how he cares for them. He cares more for you. So he's showing this to demonstrate his care for us. He, he goes on and he says this, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And, and why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. And yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So look at this picture here. You know, of just, you think about these flowers and just, you know, their beauty. And, and Jesus, again, he's talking about, we care about all of these things. You know, they have style, they have fashion. And, 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 you know, and sometimes we just put all of our thoughts and what we can have, what we can accumulate, and where's this going to come from? And Jesus said, you know, instead of making that your focus, just understand that your father, he takes care of the flowers. And, and their, their time here is so limited, so temporary, so short. And he said, look at them in all of their beauty. That Solomon, who was viewed at that time as the wealthiest man that ever lived, the wisest man that ever lived, had all of these things, all of these resources. And he said, even with all those resources available, that he could never make himself, he could never make his physical appearance as beautiful as this. I remember several years ago when we first moved back, you know, where I grew up in Vertigris, that when we first moved there, there were just a few houses there, and the rest was just trees and, you know, just grass and, and ponds and, and creeks. Man, it was a kid's paradise. It was just so cool. But as time has went on, some areas out there have been developing. That's okay. That's great. But there's still some areas that, that are just kind of like pastures and stuff. And I remember several years ago, Ashley and I were driving, and uh, we drove by this field, and it was just all of these yellow, I think they were sunflowers, just kind of all just lined up or, or dandelions or something. And man, it was just, it was just, I'm not a botanist. It, uh, so um, there were flowers out there. Is that better? Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Bunch of judgmental. Anyway, so, um, <laughs> and so there were these just, but I knew know my colors, my colors and my shapes. Anyway, so yeah, just these yellow flowers out there. And so I pulled the car over and we just kind of went out there. And there was just something about it, just this simple thing that nobody had planted. Nobody had done that. It was just covering this pasture. It was incredible. And it reminded me of this passage. And Jesus said, you're worth more than that. He uses creation to reveal his love for you, his care for you. I've shared this several times just because it grabs me. Because I think we've all been there before, but um, I think about Hagar, who, when she had ran away from Abraham and Sarah, she was, um, she was pregnant, and she was out in the wilderness, and God began to speak to her. And I remember that she named the place, the, he's the God who sees me. That tells me what was going on in her, that she felt unseen unimportant. Sometimes we can have these 
things going on in our world and, and we can feel like nobody sees us and that can be painful. But sometimes the devil will lie to us and tell us that God doesn't see us either. And so I would imagine she was going through that moment and God spoke to her in the wilderness. And she left that place knowing that God sees me. Jesus gave these examples of birds that our Father cares for because not only is he great, but he's good. And then he gave us this example of flowers that not only is he great, but he's good and he's a craftsman. And so creation is constantly revealing to us his existence. But not just his existence, Jesus said that it reveals to us his character. And not just his character about how good he is to creation, but also how he sees you. He doesn't see you like every other element of his creation. He cares for the birds, but he doesn't put the birds on the same plane that he puts you on. He cares for the flowers, but he doesn't look at them and value them as much as he values you. He cares for you. Over and over again, it's wild that we miss this in the body of Christ for so long that, you know, we talked about God's nature and his character But over and over again, that creation declares and speaks loudly to us. It yells into our lives that he loves you. He cares about you. It speaks loudly to us over and over again. That light can come along that he doesn't notice you. You're invisible. You don't matter. We go back and read this and Jesus said, cares for the sparrows and you can say oh well that's good and Jesus said and in case you didn't know you matter more to him than they do and Jesus wasn't saying they didn't care about him he cares for him but he cares more for you I think at some point if we begin to see these things then at some point we can put to rest the question does God love me and the question begins to be do I love him and so he reveals over and over again through creation. He, he just, he shows us his love over and over again. He, he reminds us of his promises, that he's promised things to us, and that he keeps his promises. He, he reminds us over and over again that he speaks to us about his greatness, that he shows that to us as well. And so people say, man, I, I just wish God would speak to me. Well, you know, I, I know what we mean, but, but the truth of the matter is he's always speaking to us in his word. And then there's times when we can set aside time and we can begin to pray and just carve out time and engage in, in our relationship with him because he's a relational God. But sometimes, man, it's just a matter of just going outside and just looking around and being reminded that he hears us, that he cares for us, and that he loves you. Constantly he declares it. I know that for some of you and what you grew up in, that your father may not have been around. He may not have been a presence. Or if he was a presence, that he was so broken that the things that he did to you in his brokenness, when we talk about God being a loving father, that for some of you, that may be hard to embrace and to take hold of. And so what he's done in that, that situation is he's given us creation that even if what you grew up in in your own home doesn't speak to you, that what he's created does to let you know that 
I see you. I love you. You matter. He's a good father. He's a good father. And he's not indifferent to you. He takes care of the birds. And Jesus said, even though he cares for them, you matter more. He clothes the lilies and the flowers and makes this, he's a craftsman and makes this beautiful creation. And he's put his hand to it. And he's very meticulous in his design. You matter more. Sometimes, man, it's just good for us to go and just to look at those things. Just stop and hear it speak to me and declare how great he is and how good he is. He speaks to us that way. I want you to do this. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute. Let's just spend a moment with God and just there in that secret place, you just begin to talk to him, begin to let him just speak back to you. And there may even be moments now that are brought to your mind about places and moments that you've been to and just, it just revealed his magnitude, his care. And just lean in as, as he begins to speak to your heart, give you thoughts that are his. Let's just spend a moment with God.